0: Praise God, amen, amen, amen. So uh, we the l- last time we were talking about how to be truly blessed, and so this time we're going to talk about how to put that in operation. So I I thought we would talk about faith today. So we're going to talk about faith, dead or alive. Okay, amen. dead or alive. <laughs> so that's that's what you need to know. Uh, the fact that you have faith is is no biggie. Every man is dealt the measure of faith. But is your faith dead or alive? That's the, the question, how to put it to life. So uh, when we're talking about the blessing, now we got it established that we are blessed and not cursed ever. There is no curse on the new covenant. Got it? So all your little demon chaser friends and people who are talking about generational curses, to me that's just an intellectual religious spirit trying to sound knowledgeable. You got me? You're either in the covenant or you're not. We're all in it. All you have to do is obey the rules of the covenant and get the blessings. But we are a blessed people. They were blessed even under the old covenant. If it were broken... The curse would, would uh, fall upon them for a season, but it lifted after a period of time. So the curse was really nothing more than a little penalty box. They'd have to sit in, but many times they'd repent and God would remove the curse and bless them again. And so we went through the story of Balaam, who was a prophet who used to work both ways, but after God got finished with him and his donkey got finished prophesying to him, he straightened up. But it's interesting that every time he was offered money to curse the people of God, God blessed them even more. So every opportunity that the devil has to stop the blessing of God, whenever he steals, if he tries to deceive you or get you to uh, make a wrong move or he gets you to put your foot in a snare, when you cry out to God and recognize that you have a covenant with him, he compounds the blessing in your life. it increases mm, because of what the enemy does it's just the law of god the restitution law is always an increase over what you lost it's never a decrease you got me when jesus would talk to people and say will you be made whole why would he say be made whole and not healed or delivered or Want a job or, you know, whatever. Can I get you something to eat? Want a Happy Meal (laughs) out in the desert? But, uh, (laughs) you know, they had McDonald's, so to speak. Supernatural McDonald's fell on that whole crowd of 5,000 people. You know, they even got a toy in the box. (laughs) Happy. Mighty happy to get that. Uh, (laughs) This is true. Use your imagination. That's what God gave it to you. That's what my Bible reads. I have fun reading my Bible. <laughs> I fill in all the blanks. That's right. But, but you know, it, it is established that we are blessed. And once the blessing is conferred upon you, it's never revoked. It's never revoked. God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. Like, oops, my bad, I made a mistake. I didn't mean to bless you. He'll never say that. When he blesses you, he means for it to last forever. He don't have time to keep running around re-blessing everybody and redoing stuff. So that's why he does it once and for all, and it's done. You got me? It is done. And so once God makes up his mind about you, he's set on that. You know, he knows what you're going to do. Huh? Oh God, if, I, if you give me such and such, i You know you ain't going to do it. And you don't have to go through all that promising God all kind of stuff to get something from you. <laughs> Sometimes I think he probably said, I wish they quit doing that. Don't they know? <laughs> uh-huh. And if you didn't keep your vow, repent and quit shooting your mouth off so much. Huh? Speak, you know, with discretion. <laughs> you know, God just bless me. I don't know if I'm gonna mess up and do right with it, but bless me anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. That's what we all do. <laughs> so anyway, God blessed His people still. See, That was His, His desire to bless us. So we talked about our being a blessed people. But why is it that I don't have this or I don't have that? Well, in the new covenant, it's designed for you to bless yourself, I'm not waiting on anything or anybody. Are you supposed to bless yourself? Is that our little uh, visiting, <laughs> our tag team preachers at Saturday night? That one guy said, "I'm like coffee." What did he said, "I'm strong," and <laughs> I mean. <laughs> He didn't say black. He didn't say black because I saw Matthew kind of taking mental notes on it. Like, I'm going to use that. So he didn't say black. Say, I'm strong and something. Hot, yeah, I'm hot, strong, and fine or something like that. (laughs) Well, he can bless himself with nonsense. You can bless yourself with God's word. Huh? (laughs) My goodness. In Genesis 12, you look at that and you see our example. It's the truth. Blessing himself with shenanigans, you know. Come on now, use the word, brother. You up there at God's house with his mic and his electricity, use his word. Come oh, on. You don't know, no, that's a nail biter for a prophet, man. I'm sitting on the front row guy. <laughs>
1: Why didn't he use the word?
0: <laughs> We've heard people up in here. you over this word. hurt your feelings over the word (laughs) (laughs) man. so anyway (laughs) Genesis 12 (laughs) let me get off of that (laughs) God blessed Abraham so you know he told him some things to do number one was leave he said that get up and go We'll get to that later. I want you to drop down to Genesis 12 in verse 24. Like I said, there is no 24 and 12. Where am I going with this? <laughs> four. Sorry about that. Genesis 12:4. Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Sorry. Okay. Well, let me back up. 12:1. Sorry. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get you out of your country and away from your kindred, from your father's house, unto a land that I will show you. So Abram went out and the promise to God was just move. Just move. Let me give you understand something. If you can be blessed where you are, you wouldn't be on your knees asking for nothing. You got it? So the stipulation is always some obedience to move from one place of availability to God to another place of availability. Now when you move, you're moving away from your dependence upon natural things. So shut your eyes, turn the TV off, quit singing them crazy songs, and just shut it down And make sure you're depending upon nobody but God. He says, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I'll bless them that bless you, and curse them that curse you. So, whenever God blesses anybody, He blesses them how? With words. God blessed them and said, God blessed them and said, God blessed them and said. So the blessing is a conferred empowerment to succeed, to go forth, to receive what God has for you. So the blessing is a word of empowerment that comes into your life. And if you're sitting waiting for something or you you lack or you don't have, that's what you need. You need to be empowered. You don't need magic to rain out of the sky and you don't need a bunch of things we think we're waiting on. You need power mostly just to get up and move. And so when we in the new covenant, we bless ourselves with our words. Only God's word will abide forever. You can't bless yourself with a happy thought or a, a serenity prayer or any kind of substitute other than God's word. And you have to believe what you're speaking. You just can't grab something that you think you like or it would be nice if it was sitting in your garage But you have to have God's word and you must have faith in that word that you hear. It's called the rhema word of God. That word that comes to your spirit and comes to your heart that you can embrace and make it your own. In Mark 11.23, God instructs us to bless ourselves with our own words. He says, have faith in God. 22. Truly I say to you, whosoever, that's anybody, this, is, this works for anybody and everybody. This isn't just for Brother Hagen and high faith people, whoever they are. You know, I've seen high faith people be brought low and low faith people come up high. So it's for whosoever, shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, and that's the most important part of it. If you find yourself doubting God's word, then keep meditating on it. Keep hiding it in your heart. And pretty soon you'll believe that and only that. Yeah. For instance, if if you got a pain in your arm and you suspect you're having a heart attack or something like that, you've got like two seconds to make the decision which kingdom you want to put that, that information over in. huh? You can put it over in God's kingdom and declare that by his stripes you're healed. Or you can put it over in the natural realm and start timing it and following up on it and let it worry you. And then you finally worry, I guess I go to urgent care. Yeah, because you made the decision not to put it over in God's kingdom back there. Now see, people who don't do this think this is stupid. Or they want me to shut up and move on to something else. They get offended when we talk like this. But this is exactly how it works. See, This is how it works. It works in a matter of a split-second decision that you make. You decide which kingdom you put your faith in. The decision. Right, Nene? Huh? Huh? Renee had a pain in her arm. How them little fingers doing anyway? They behaving. <laughs> Is we working on it. What I'm saying? We're working on it, but we haven't put it over into the natural kingdom. You see what I'm saying? As long as you hold it in God, in faith in God, it'll reverse. But instead of her going to urgent care or something, she got prayer. You see, you make the decision to put it over in God's kingdom. And who cares how long it takes to pray to make the devil lift? Huh? Hey, this is where the battle's won or lost, folks, and and how you what fatigues you. You know, I don't get tired of kicking the devil's hiney. You can call me in the morning, night, middle of the night. I don't care. I will kick his butt for, from 3 in the morning till 8 in the morning if I have to to make him move. You got me? And he knows it. And so you don't ever get <laughs> like you've given God enough time. You're supposed to go live with him throughout eternity. So what's this giving him time down here and you gave him enough time? Get real. You're either in the in the kingdom or you're not. And so this is the challenge for us. Do we really trust him? Did he make this body? Did he save this body? Did he heal this body the last time? Does he clothe this body? Why don't you trust him? Aches, pains, symptoms. Mostly we're not really committed to it. You've got to be committed to these things. He knows it, see. A lot of these things are tests of our level of commitment to God's word. If you're not committed to God's word, you're going to walk off and, and just leave it there. See? If you're committed to God's word, then you know the, the word, <laughs> though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You got me? If you've never been there, you might get there one day. Now, huh? I've been there. Hmm? Do or die, what are you going to do? You're going to trust him or you're not going to trust him? Huh? The worst that can happen is you go to heaven. The worst and the best, huh? The best and the worst. So let us get real here. You know, is your life is your life more than food and clothing and, and getting some temporary relief from your situation. What the world can do is only temporary at best, huh? But God's word abides forever. So he's trying to get us over where we can get our best help. You see, get our best help there from God. So he says, <clears throat> and not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things that you say will ha- come to pass. You can have whatever you say. You can bless yourself with anything in the word of God. And if you believe that what you say is going to happen, it'll happen. It's just that simple. You've got to believe that it will come to pass. Not maybe, if, if. Wondering, but you've got to believe it'll happen. Hmm? Most things you have to believe they're happening now, especially for things that that have to do with what's paid for in the atonement. You're saved now, you've never been to heaven, but we all say we're saved, we believe we're saved, and we'll slap somebody in the face if they tell us we ain't saved. <laughs> I know I'm saved I'm gonna prove it to you. Slap your head off, huh? We, I mean, we are defenders of the faith now. <laughs> tell me, tell me, i get you for that. But we're adamant about it. We're rock solid in it, huh? We're immovable in that. Well, if you can believe in one part of the atonement, you can believe in the other. See, salvation's easy because it's way over there. Healing is right here, huh? You can feel, you can see, you can. uh, It's more of a challenge to your faith. But the natural can be overcome, folks. It's temporary. It can be overcome, and it will be overcome. So you bless yourself. You bless yourself. You don't have to wait for somebody to do that for you. You bless yourself. You're not waiting on God to do anything. You bless yourself. I am blessed. I have adequate supply for every need. I have a nice home. I have good transportation. I have everything. I have a good job. I have promotion coming. I have everything that I need. I have money in the bank. I have savings. I I am a blessed person. So you bless yourself. You have permission to do that. And that's the only way this covenant works. Hmm? Because there's no curse on it. Your life is waiting for you to confer God's blessing upon it. It's the only thing that's missing. You know, when people would say things like "confess the word," what they really mean is release the blessing of God in your life. So it gets to be beyond just a, a little robotic confession. I am healed. I am blessed. I am. I am secure. I am. Yeah, like that, huh? It's not that. What are you doing? I bless myself. I'm healed. I'm set free. I declare that today is the day that I will receive everything that I need from God. I'm blessed. You bless yourself. Stand in the mirror in the morning and bless yourself before you get out of, leave the house. Now, I'm, I am know most people ain't going to read the words. I'll be barely falling into the job on time. You know what I'm talking about? Come on now. But you can stop and bless yourself. You can look in your little rear view mirrors. I'm blessed. Oh devil. Oh, look who's coming to work. Make way. Make way. Bow the knee. Bow the knee devils. Right. The king's kid is coming through. Bless yourself. Instead of going in there scared of the mean boss again. Come on now. We got to grow up folks. Oh, well, I think I'll park there for a bit. (laughs) Huh? Get nervous and it's just Sunday afternoon. Barely afternoon. Nervous about Monday already. Huh? You don't have to fear anything. Or anybody. Just go in there and do your job. Huh? Don't get distracted by the devil. But you release the word of blessing upon yourself. Let your spirit utter it. Let your soul hear it. Let your soul come in line with believing that you're blessed and expecting. See, the soul is where you expect. Your soul always directs where you go. has a life of its own. So you want to bathe that in renewal, washing it in the water of the word so that your soul isn't guided by fear and fearful thoughts. You want to be guided by faith in the blessing of God. So Mark eleven twenty three tells you to bless yourself. It's the same thing as God doing it if you expect God to bring it to pass. It says have faith in God, not faith in yourself. See this is where we differ from the world. You know, believe in yourself. Hmm? You can do anything, really? Well most of them haven't even tried many things and they fail you imagine all those people that come on american idol that start out of thousands of people that are told believe in yourself you can do anything only one person wins so it's only true for one person right but they all believe it anyway <clears throat> we need to understand that it is the word of god that we believe in our hearts that will direct us and make our faith alive and bring it from death to life. So as long as you're just hoping for something and God's going to do it, and I'm praying for so and so, your faith is dead because it has not been made alive. It has to be activated to be made alive. The first life that comes to your faith is through your confession. Well, So the word of blessing is the first action that brings your faith alive. It's brought to life first with your words. You must say it in order to receive it, to make it alive. The Bible says the law of faith is we believe and therefore we speak. Now, if you don't bless yourself, you're going to speak something about that situation one way or the other. So you've got to make up your mind that you're going to bless yourself, bless this situation, have God's outcome in it, because if you don't release the word over it, it's going to go the way of the natural without any kind of intervention from God, or you're going to wind up speaking something to reinforce the natural into that situation. So you've got to speak God's word over it. And see, some people are... Afraid to use God's word and intimidated and all they know is to talk about the natural. Now you try to, you know, play this game and and not say anything. You can't not say anything. We're people of expression. We're people of faith. You're going to say something about something. So you have to get your mind renewed in the word about these things so that when pressure comes or something comes up about the situation, you will speak God's word and you'll speak it appropriately. The best way to have God's word on your tongue is to have it in your heart. Meditate on the word. Hide it in there. Keep it in there. If you know there are certain things where the devil bugs you over and over again about it, you put more word in there. Sure yourself up in a greater way. You know, when I was God was healing me of a nervous breakdown, I got every scripture you can think about. Peace, security, um, fearlessness, all of those things. Those were my constant companions. Why? Because I needed it bad. But you know, we'll go down the road a bit with God and we start avoiding Scriptures where we know we have problems. See, pride gets in there. Well, you know, I know that already, but that's not my problem. I believe God. Well, show us some proof, huh? Show us you believe, huh? So, when we have the word of blessing over us, then our actions become guided by that word. It's very important. Psalm 119:105 says thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So once you begin to bless yourself, huh? It's, you know, say for instance you need a car. It's always something somebody in a congregation needs. Father, I thank you that I have a car. Now this is where people get stupid. They throw the word new in there because they think that means you got faith. Huh? If you say new, then all then these other things start popping up in your mind. Huh? Credit rating, note, insurance, all of it is sky high. So don't use the word new if all that goes with it makes you nervous. Huh? It's like people used to when we were praying for a bus. Oh, God, thank you for our new bus. I said, do you know them things cost half a million dollars? And we only need to take 25 or 30 people at most every month back and forth? Are you kidding me? I'm praying for free bus. You know, people, <laughs> don't get me out on the limb with your bad confession. Huh? And the new bus people ain't even here the, the ride on the bus. They'd have moved on, someone left you stuck with their bill. I'm not having it. <laughs> it's the truth. I always try to correct your little like your faith is so small. I say, Listen, girl, I'm believing for what I know I can take care of. You got me? Hmm? Insurance three thousand dollars a year. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Keep keep dreaming. Uh, keep dreaming. So, I <clears> to <throat> get over there. Anyway, you know, if you, if you desire something, set a budget for it, would you please? Set a budget, like be normal. I don't know why saints want to stick God with a big bill for something, like he going to pay it all the time. You got to bring that money in through your nine to five. Which will work out to be a 6 to 11 plus the 9 to 5. You keep messing around like that. Huh? You're going to find 8 hours ain't going to quite get it. But set a budget, a reasonable budget for what it is that you desire. Ask God to have it not give you no problems. God, get me the best running car you can get me for X number of dollars that I have to spend. I want it to be reliable transportation. To get back and forth to my job. Let's do the basics here, folks. We're not, you know, like uh, Hollywood people. We gotta get one better than the next neighbor and the next neighbor. That kind of stuff with money to burn. You know, we're not, you know, entertainers and people like that. You know, and drug pushers and all that kind of nonsense where we gotta show off who we are. That insecure. We're secure people in God. We want something reliable. We want something that will last long enough. This is what I always ask for. Let it last long enough for me to leave it running to be a blessing to the next person. I don't want it to fall apart on me. You got me? I mean, let it it be a servant of mine all the days of my life. When God, when it needs uh, repairs and stuff, don't sweat. Just go ahead and get it done, you know, and don't sweat these maintenance things. You know, many times people think, you know, you should never have to put money into a vehicle. You're going to have to put money into something. You got me? You have to maintain and care for things that, that you expect to work for you. You have to do that. You now back in the day when, when I was growing up, you know, a lot of times people didn't, didn't have automobiles there were a lot of people on the bus and stuff and the you know you saw a family that had a car boy that man would be out there every weekend rubbing on head gave it a pet name all the men in the neighborhood had my baby oh your wife no my god no (laughs) You know, they had a wife, you know, might have been Mary, but Lucille, you know, they had, you know, you think they had a girlfriend. there. Somebody Lucille out there. She, she need this. She need that. <laughs> it's the truth. And they took care of that car. And that car took care of them, which I could preach there, but I ain't going there. I ain't going to preach about Mary burning the biscuits. Everything. You know what I'm saying? I ain't going there, but he took care of Lucille. Lucille took care of him and then in and back in the day, you always traded them in to get a new one to get kept a new car. Why? because they cared for things that they possessed God budgets it puts something in the budget for you to care for these things once you possess them it's not wrong to to get a tune up on a car it 's not wrong to get a repair on it 's not wrong you know that 's not a uh, some kind of expense that should send you through the ceiling, you know, being upset about it. You do what you have to do, and so <clears throat> when when you possess things in God, this is part of it. So just always understand that when God gives it to you, He has taken into account all the things you need to maintain it as well. It's not it's not a surprise to God if you got to get a new battery. Or if you got to replace some, some wires or plugs or something like that. I mean, it, it's not a big deal to God. Just go to him like you go to him for everything. And he'll take care of these things. Huh? They will be a blessing continually. That's what you want. So you can release it into the hands of another person. Another saint. And it will bless them. And run for them. When it's time for you to move on to something else, your faith grows, your desire grows, you can move on to something greater, and it will be a blessing. Don't get mad at your car because you don't take care of it. You know, we just want, oh, I'm sick of that old thing. You used to love it. Huh? You was praying real hard for it. I remember we all prayed for that. And you got it. Now you can't stand it. Now, I'm not going to talk about nobody's husband or wife up in that. I'm going to leave that alone. Just to say this, anything you ask for, God understands that he can help you with the maintenance on it. I don't care if it's car, property, husband, wife, whatever it is. Don't get mad at it because you don't like it no more. You don't like the way it's acting towards you. And all. Don't get mad at that want to kick it out. See, we get this kick out mentality, you know. If it ain't working for us no more, it ain't working for us. We could just gone off and leave it somewhere. Can't leave everything, huh? That's your husband, your wife. You know, God don't live with them. You you asked God if you could have somebody. Didn't pay much attention to him, but you asked him anyway. Let me see where I'm at here. 11 23. We did that, huh? <laughs> but you gotta take care of stuff, you don't just marry your wife and bring her there, and park her there, and just oh, baby, you call me if you need something. Now, don't, don't call me too often now. Yeah, yeah. Get upset. <laughs> <laughs> Poor woman, she don't know what to say. You know, they get nervous. Baby, can I? have <laughs> right, right. Well, baby, I want. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Got something else to do right now. Two words that drive them up the ceiling. Can I have? And I want. <laughs> so, girls, you got to learn how to just say them anyway. It's called faith. Got me? Just keep using it anyway. We're overcomers with our words. Let's overcome all that <laughs> <Whee>! <laughs> but anything that you have in God i mean he he'll take care of it. He'll help you to take care of it. Now you're gonna to have to do some stuff yourself, but he'll give you the grace to care for those things he'll He'll help you with that, Wow. Huh? It takes the average husband, I'm just going to say this, it takes them at least six or seven years to figure out to pick up after themselves. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you gonna out to work with the brother for a while. But you get a woman that don't pick up after herself, you're really in trouble. See, the whole ship will fall apart then. So, men, you get you a tidy, I'm, I'm telling you, that needs to be at the top of the list if you're praying and expecting a wife. Put tidy at the top. Because if the woman's not tidy and set the tone, the whole house looks a wreck all the time. The man don't have anything. He has no guidance for how to do anything. My, you know when, when y'all do my, my home going started off this way she conquered the world armed with only a few female tricks under her belt she was able to overcome <laughs> 30 year marriage with only a few female tricks under her <laughs> And God breathed life unto them. And they grew into <laughs> a ministry. <laughs> oh, woe to the woman who hath no female tricks. <laughs> oh boy. Where was I at? I guess I digress for a bit. Yes, definitely. Yes. God will take care of the things that he provides for us, though. You don't have to throw in the towel on anything. You got me? Where people are concerned, he'll definitely move. He tells you he'll cause your enemies to be at peace with you. Your enemies will bless you. You will have favor surrounded with it everywhere that you go. So we should have no fear in, in carrying out the obedience that it takes to bring the blessing to us. You bring that blessing to you with your obedience because you have to put your faith into action or it is dead and it's not alive. See, Once you start speaking, then the word of God will lead you to the place of release of your blessing. You will not get blessed if you don't move. It's the hardest thing for believers to do because fear tends to immobilize us. If we have little experience with stepping out in God, <clears throat> why is it that you bless yourself, you talk to yourself, get yourself all revved up, and then you get scared to pull the trigger? You got me. When it comes time to pull the trigger, we just, well, I don't want to do anything wrong. Just shoot the stupid thing, you know. it's Like shoot anything. Something will come. You shoot up in the air, something will hit something. Something will fall down. Huh? So it's like you know you got a flock of geese up there. I'm sure you'll hit one if you get a shotgun. got it, but God really wants us merely to get moving like He did with Abraham he said Abraham left everything in pursuit of God's word in obedience to God's word. He just got up and moved. He had nothing definite in mind, so it's important for us. To move so that we can pursue that path of blessing. Now you're not pursuing blessings. You're pursuing the path of blessings. You have to get on the path where your blessing is. Wherever God guides you, he makes provision for you. So that can be a witness and a sign to you. That you're on the right track. If there's provision there. When you have lack you need to question, you need to ask God, God, is this really where you want me to go? Sometimes doors will just slam in your face. Huh? You'll get to a place sometimes and the you know, say if you are buying a car, the salesman will be so rude to you, you know, it's pretty apparent you can't you can't wedge get a wedge in under that. And so you move on. Then your mind is blown, God tells you to go back. Huh? It's all about being on the path of blessing. So once you release the word, it will light your path. Even if you can only go one step, it will take you that one step. And if you get there and you don't find the blessing there, you release the word again. See, God, show me now. I'm still believing you. I'm still in there. I'm still in the hunt. Where is it? Show it to me. And just keep at it the worst thing you can do is take on discouragement and take it personally when you get there and it doesn't that's not the place for you to be blessed You know, say you go and you look at several cars in one place and it's not there and they always have to give you some excuse for why it's not there for you, you know, maybe you see one you want and that's too much money. Well, your credit's not good enough for that or something. And, and the f- worst thing you can do is it get discouraged and take it personally. And that's what most people do. So then you've got to go home for about three weeks or a month and lick your wounds. Feel sorry for yourself. Wish your credit was better. Which, come on now, that, that ain't even, you know, we need to forget all of that. You know, all of this. I gotta conform, and I gotta have this right and that right. Mostly, that doesn't happen with most people. I mean, there are some people that have excellent credit and all of that, but those people aren't looking to get into no debt. Well, you think about it. People with good credit have it because they don't stay messed up with it. See, and so when we, it is true. See, the ones that that possess often aren't looking to use it, the ones who don't possess need it. It's the way it always is. And so when you get into these situations, you have to understand the faith process when you get involved in it. What God is interested in is keeping your faith alive. He is not so much interested in giving you things. Now I know that sounds contrary to the word, but that is the truth. The Bible says He's given us these great and precious promises. Why? So we can have everything. He says no. The reason for the promises so we can be partakers of His divine nature. He's working something in us every time we use our faith. Every time you get a no answer, in order for you to to go back and get the yes answer, your faith has to increase over what it was the last time. If it were the quality that it took to go in and get it, you'd have it. So it, he's increasing your faith. He's letting you partake of his divine nature. When the disciples told the, asked Jesus to increase their faith, why? Because they knew it wasn't adequate for everything they needed. This is the process by which it's increased. It's the same thing as if you were, were trying to build muscle mass. You know, he's everybody wants to work out. You know, you see what kind of effort it takes to look like Arnold. You know, (laughs) huh? I won't be back. This hurts too much. Huh? That's what we say. Takes too much time. But you know, you you have to let it meet some resistance before. It's the same thing with spiritual muscle. Yeah, you, you know. Well, yeah. No pain, no gain it has to reach some resistance so the pain of denial being told you're not adequate being told you don't have it all of that you have to be able to to work against that to press against that to fight against it to press in against it and receive what god has for you takes a humble person you can't go in there you know acting haughty and proud and stupid and think you're going to get some nor do you beg the salesman for anything you don't have to beg God for it. All you have to do is look in his word and let your heart be built up in his faith and then activate that faith. Keep it alive. Keep it working and doing something. I'm always concerned about people when I know they have a need and they don't have it yet and I said, how are you doing with so and so? Oh, I'm going to do it. Going to do it is dead faith. Write that down. It's a dead face statement because you ain't going to do nothing. You're really trying to hide from it. Huh? Because you don't want to confront what you have to confront in order to overcome. So you're really overcoming. You're not overcoming the salesperson, the devil, or anything. You're overcoming your own resistance, the resistance of your soul. To moving out of dependence upon what you can see and having faith in God who you cannot see. You just got to believe he's out there working for you. So you bless yourself with those words. Father, I thank you that you're out here working for me every day. You're out here preparing for, for what I have and lead me to my blessing today. When you start seeing blessings off somewhere in the future, that's not faith. It's fear. If it's way off, it's fear. The Bible says you can be converted at any time. Any time. Any time. That blessing could fall in your lap at any time. So when that word of blessing begins to light your path, you will find yourself going in some places your mind tells you that ain't it. Hmm? Because you have to make sure that you pursue the path of blessing and you have to make sure that you keep your faith active and alive at all times. Because it can come to you at any time. Somebody that you went and they left your card or you left left your number with them could call you with your blessing. Somebody that has heard that you're looking for somebody, somebody saint that you know can call you and say, "Well, well, you know, did you get your car yet? I think I have something that you know. I knew you said you wanted this. What you know? You got me. But that won't happen. You won't get the call if you shut your faith down. If you if you're not thanking God for it, expecting it, actively pursuing it. If you're afraid of a no answer. If you're afraid. See, don't take your credit score personally. Yeah, you jacked it up, but it's just a number assigned to you. Did you hear what I said? I said it's merely a number assigned to you. You can change the assignment any time. You release the word of blessing. I'm blessed. I have good credit. I have enough credit to get everything that I need. I have no lack. I have a good credit score. You start challenging that number assigned to you and let it be a different number. People do it with their blood pressure all the time. Huh? If you can change them two somethings to one somethings or whatever is acceptable, you can certainly change a stupid credit score. Huh? They change all the time anyway. Huh? Somebody will write you a letter. They, oh, well, let's, let's. Get her to borrow some money. We see you have a credit score of some, some, some. I said, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, I mean, what do, what do I know? And what do they know? These things are assigned to you. And you can always change man's assignment. You can change the world's assignment on your life anytime. Anytime. You just start blessing and saying, God, I don't want this to be something held against me. I want it increased And I want to be valuable on paper. I don't want it to be a hindrance. Any kind of natural hindrance, I want it out of the way. Because if you don't deal with it, the enemy will always use it against you. they always use it against you because if it bugs you, make it change. Make it change. If it bothers you, make it change. So God wants us. To partake of the divine nature. To have greater confidence in him. Greater trust in him. Greater peace in all areas. He wants us to be made whole. See? That concept of wholeness means that there's nothing owing you. You're not, nobody owes you anything. You're not ripped off because God has given it back to you. Huh? See the, the guy that was lying on the you know at the, the pool waiting for the troubling of the water. And Jesus said, Will you be made whole? He had a lot of stuff wrong with him. Not only could did he couldn't walk, he'd been that way forever. He never held a job. People around him were always doing stuff for him, support dependent upon people. So the devil had robbed him of his, his basic ability as a human to live independently and provide for himself. So when Jesus said, will you be made whole, he meant, I'm going to fix all of that stuff that's wrong with you. I'm not just going to put you on your feet, but I'm going to take away the crutches. I'm going to take away the reputation that people had that they had to do everything. They don't expect you to do much. You don't expect much of yourself. I'm going to take all of that. I'm going to make you whole and restore you to being a high-functioning person who can take care of yourself and bless somebody else. That's what he wants for everybody. And so in the process of of God blessing us, leading us to the things, there's so much involved in that process of getting you to where you're blessed, folks. He wants to strengthen you, give you confidence. If you've been ripped off, he's got restoration or restitution for you. Now that you will have to pursue. Uh, you got to pursue restitution. you got to make the devil give your stuff back. God's not going to slap the devil and under the naked light bulb and make him. He's done that already. He did that at the cross. The Bible says Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. Now we got to enforce it. See, it's up to you. If you're too lazy to enforce what's been done for you, you won't get it. But if the devil's ripped you off of something, you need to be in pursuit of it now. I'm going to say that again. You know, some people, I don't know what we expect God to do. My goodness, He's done everything already, given us everything. He's not going to go up there and find the devil and yank him out again. He did that already. He blessed you once already. You're blessed. Go act like it. He spoiled the devil, He took everything from him already. And that's so you can repeat it and do like you saw your daddy do. Go do the same thing. You go beat him up and tell him to give your stuff back. Huh? Pursuit for restitution is something you need to do immediately. David at Ziklag. Remember that? He's out beating up and robbing folks and come back somebody ripped him off. The nerve the nerve. Now, this is what I'm telling you. If he can do that, Ziklag was really like a guerrilla outpost. That was, wasn't where Israel was supposed Really, it was on the edge of Philistine territory. Sometimes David would work with the Philistines. He could find a friendly Philistine. Let's go rob somebody, rip them off so we can live. That's how people lived during those days. They called it war. And when they would overcome somebody, they got what they call the spoils of war. That's what you lived off of. So David had a camp where all of his wives and all the mighty men of war, their wives, everybody lived there. And so there was nobody really left defending the camp because every able-bodied man was with David. And they were out doing their thing, bringing back some more spoils. And they look around and the spoiler had spoiled them. Huh? And David, things were so bad, and they were so angry, and they wanted to kill him. The the Bible says he did what? He blessed himself. He encouraged himself, and the Lord has encouraged himself to do what? To go back and get his stuff. To recover his stuff. And he asked God, he said, you know, am I going to recover? He said, should I pursue these people? And God said, yes, that's your stuff. But God, I've been out robbing people. I've been doing bad, God. I didn't pay my bill on time, and that's why they repoed me. I know. But if you confess it, your sins are forgiven. And to be honest with you, I'd rather spank one of my kids and give it back to him than to see the devil with it. So I'm never going to let the devil beat you up as a testimony to me as a father. I'm not going to have that. So he'll correct you. He'll show you where you messed up. He'll show you how to keep it the next time. But your sins are forgiven. They're washed clean. And he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll cleanse your guilty conscience and purge it from dead works. You know what dead works are? You're not paying your bills on time. Telling your boss off. Doing all them little things that you do. To get you in trouble. Those are dead works. He'll purge your conscience from them. So the devil don't get in there and keep reminding you of what you did and how you messed up and got you in this boat. Your conscience needs to be purged. What keeps us from going forward is what's up in this brain. And he knows it. That's why he's got a remedy for that too. He purges it. You know what purge means? To remove every trace. Huh? To remove every trace. I was, you know, in nursing, we had to give people, do they still do that, Renee? When they prep patients for GI? If you had to have a, 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 a picture of your intestine. They gave you laxatives first and enemas till clear. Purging. They didn't want anything in there because it would contaminate the the field. You wind up sicker from the procedure than you were beforehand. So they got you totally clear. And you talk about a night's work. (laughs) You know, if you was a nurse having to (laughs) carry out the orders, you understand what I'm saying? But, But that always that's what I think about when I think about your conscience. There's no trace of anything you did wrong. No trace of anything. You know it's not held against you. Why? Because the blood of Jesus does that. You go. And this is what makes religious people upset. With Christians that are trying hard to, to obey God. All they look at is your failure. And they get angry when you get up and you try again even though you messed up the last time. They get upset with that because religion always wants to put you in a penalty box and make you feel guilty as though that pleases God. No, it pleased him to bruise his son so you wouldn't have to be guilty so that your conscience could be purged from dead works. Who cares if you make mistakes as you're trying to obey God? Who cares? You make all you want to. If he forgives you, I forgive you. I love you. I'm going to be stupid enough to stand in your way because people who are out doing something are going to get somewhere. Keep watching. You're going to see me get blessed in a minute. You saw my mess up and my failure. You keep watching. You're going to see me get blessed in a minute. So he wants us to keep our faith active and alive. James tells us that faith without works is dead because it's alone. Faith needs help. See, we've taught faith as though it's the only thing. But faith needs a lot of help. That's why when we use our faith, God helps us to become partakers of His divine nature. Because faith in itself, as a spiritual fruit, will not sustain your life. First of all, faith works by love. And it's dead without a work to go along with it. Where did I say we were in James? Hit me, hit me, hit me. James chapter 2 verse 14 says what is it profit my brethren though a man say he has faith now this is where you the confess people it's where the rubber meets the road If you confess with no action, hmm? if a man say he has faith and has not works, can faith save him? Hmm? If you say you believe Jesus and you never confess him as Savior, you have nothing. A lot of people run around like that. There's a lot of churches full of them because they don't lead people to Christ when they just say, come on in. You got me? I can remember being at a church where when I was first saved, and the pastor would routinely you know we would always pray he, he God blessed me to be able to be be part of you know their their prayer and their leadership there you know when I was a new Christian and we would always pray for salvations for people to to be born again because they had a um a very nice worship, you know, choir, you know, some churches, they have massive choirs and all these people. And a lot of people come in because they like to sing it, you know, love the singing and could care less about living for God. And so many times he would tell us, he said, ask the person next to you. That's how that got started from these big mega meetings. Ask the person next to you, are they saved? That they're born again, you know, some people get offended, get mad at you. You'd be scared to ask some people because they look at you like, <laughs> I guess you are. Whatever, you know. <laughs> Mess up my Sunday. You know, I mean, that's what you felt like. You did it anyway, but it was kind of like that was the time everybody bring the big gun out to stop you. But at least they were making an attempt to verify, see. And there would be people that would lift their hands and never, never met Christ. They would always come down to the altar and, and publicly declare their devotion for Christ, etc., etc. But there has to be that work to accompany their faith before salvation will come. They must confess. They must confess. You just can't love Jesus in your heart and never confess him. Public declaration, hopefully. Private, if that's the best you can do. But at some point, you need to tell somebody. That's your public declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ. So he says, can works alone, can faith alone save him? He says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you don't give them those things that are needful for the body, is that any good Somebody, you know somebody has no food in their home. You say, well, just people has to be filled. And you got something. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. It's by itself. So faith is like a match. It has to be struck against something before it can light your path. It has to be struck by works. There are always corresponding actions to your faith. There will be an act that the Holy Spirit will move you to do to keep your faith alive. It just can't be something you think up. It has to be something that corresponds to and accomplishes what you believe. Faith is made evident by works. Sometimes you have to just move in order to get direction, get up and start doing anything, and God will join you and begin to direct your steps. Hmm? It's like that sometimes. That's why I'll tell people, so, well, just go somewhere, go looking. You know, we used to, be like, if you were believing God for something, cut a picture out, put it on the refrigerator, confessed over it, but you never went to look. Huh? So take the Rolls Royce and the Mercedes off the refrigerator and put your your car, you know your your GM product, the your you know you understand what I'm saying. Put your American-made product up there, put your budget up there too, and take them things off of there because you never went looking for one. So what are you lying for? Wasting your time? You're not believing God for that, but believe Him for something that that's kind of like, huh? Where you fit? Huh? And We all have to streamline it to where we can really believe. Can you really believe God? For that, or are you just playing mental games? See, we have to stop the mental games, and we have to start believing. You know, sometimes it's just uh, money to pay the bills for this month or whatever, whatever. You start where you know your faith. You can center your faith, and you can accomplish that. And then God will do exceeding and abundant. Let him do the more. Don't you try to blast your faith out of somewhere where where, you won't, uh, where it won't work for you. So when you start out, you may just start out looking. You don't know where. You're not sure. But you do have an outline of where you're going. And this is what Abraham did. He he left and he went obeying God. He had no clue where he was going. He just had to go. Because the word of, see, the word of God will come into you and begin to move you in that fashion. And many people wonder how he was able to do Abraham was able to do all he was able to do. It was the word of God was that strong in him. And once that word gets in you and and you know that you know that you know that you believe the word of God, then you'll hold on to that word. It's a lifeline to you. That word will be more comfortable for you than some idea of something that you get on the outside. So turn back to Genesis 12, and we'll talk about how Abraham was led and how we know God can lead us. Verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, get you out of your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, into a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Bless you because I don't want you to hoard it. That's one of the things that God stipulates on his people forever. You are blessed, and you will be a blessing to others. You will pass this blessing on from generation to generation. You will be an employer of many people because that blessing will fall. In other words, I will bless you so much you won't be able to contain everything. There'll be an overflow that comes from your life that will flow on to other people. And so that's always what he has in mind for the believer. Some of us need to expand our thinking on this because we we. Look at what God is doing. We're so concerned about us, just us, that we can't expand our vision to include anything else. Many times we'll 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 do what's legal. You know, you see people they're they're careful. They want to make sure they tithe and give an offering. Besides, but when it comes to giving thing anything else in their lives, they just shut down see, that's not fulfilling what God has for you. He said, be a blessing. That means that you have to be a giver. You have to be a person that freely gives. You have to be a person that understands you don't permanently possess and own anything down here. Freely you receive, freely give. If God blesses you with something and you have excess, definitely give it. And definitely bless other people with it because that is God's plan for you. That's how he gets other people blessed. That's how you get blessed many times. People's overflow. So we all have to be faithful to this. He says, I'll bless them to bless you, curse them to curse you, and in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. Wow. But you have to believe it. If God says it, you have to believe it. And on the strength of that word, Abraham moved. He moved away from He had stuff where he was. See? He had stuff where he was and he had to leave it. He took some of it, but he left some of it. Call it a sacrifice. Call it the price of doing business in God's kingdom. But there will be many things that we will move on from and leave behind. He says, so he departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. And he took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered. Now it looks like Lot was more of an employee as well as a nephew. He just wasn't the pet nephew. But it looked like uh, Lot was working for him. And they went forth to the land of Canaan. And into and and into the land of Canaan they came, and Abram passed through the land to the place of Sichem, unto the plain of Morah. and the Canaanite was in the land. There's somebody on your stuff. Mm-hmm. There's somebody on your stuff. Now the Canaanite was in the land. Every time that God sent somebody somewhere, He told them that there would be inhabitants there. But that he would drive them out. But so far, Abram hasn't had anything like that spoken to them, how he would engage with the enemy. But trust me, whenever there's something that God has given to you, it's possessed by somebody else. Huh? It's possess- you got either got to buy it from them, you've got to, to understand that it will come to you some kind of way, but everything is possessed by somebody else. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto your seed will I give this land. So he's already told him that Canaan will be an inheritance for him, huh? an inheritance for his seed. And he says, and there he built an altar to the Lord because God appeared to him there and he set up a situation of worship to God in that land. Why? Because God blessed him with it. He began to claim things in the name of the Lord as he went and God pointed them out to him. That's all you have to do. You claim things in the name of the Lord. You go somewhere and you see something you like. You say, Father, I thank you that that's mine. Thank you, Jesus, that that's mine. You begin, when you're led by God and he shows you step by step, you get there, you begin to claim what you see. You begin to tell God that you want it. You begin to thank God for it as you see it. You got me? When you're led, I'm not talking about something you see in a magazine and you your eyes get big and you see that $300 price tag on that handbag. You got me? Huh? So he says he removed from there unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent having Bethel on the right and Ahai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So he began to bless God for that. He began to thank him for that. He began to possess it. And Abraham journeyed on going still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land. He went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. It came to pass that when he was come near to Egypt, he told Sarah, his wife, Behold, you're a fair woman to look upon. Now she's in her 70s. I don't know what kind of food they ate or what they was doing, but you know, can I get some of that? He says, Therefore it will come to pass when the Egyptians will see you, that they'll say, This is his wife, and they'll want to kill me. And and save you alive. So he says, just when we go down there, just tell them you're my sister. Um, Do me this favor. Just tell them technically you are my sister because, you know, it's a little slightly related. You know how they work it. But the thing you need to know is Abraham was directed by God to keep walking. Just keep walking. Some places he went, God blessed, and some places he went, he didn't get blessed. When he went to Egypt, he got in some trouble. You will go places obeying God where you'll get in trouble. It won't work out. It won't be what you thought. The blessing won't be there. It won't be this place. It won't be that. That's like Egypt for Abraham. But you'll notice that when he was in Egypt, God was with him anyway. And it says in verse 17, and the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Hmm? She's my sister. Y'all can have her. And then God stopped it. God said, I will bless those who, and I will fight those who, absolutely. God keeps his word to Abram and gets him out of trouble in Egypt. And what happens when he leaves? Verse 20, Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. And verse 13, and Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had in lot with him. And he was very rich in cattle, gold, and silver. So he came out of trouble rich anyway. Why? Because when God blesses you, he never takes it back. The blessing will still fall upon you. All you have to do is come out of the place that you know is not for you. Come out of the thing that is not for you. Just leave the place. Don't argue with those people and try to make them approve your credit so you can have something. Just leave that place and go on to the next place and God will bless you in that next place. He will bless you in that next place. And so he stopped in Canaan and God gave that to him. He kept moving and went on to Egypt, obeying what he thought God told him to do. How many times have we stepped out saying, "I thought God sent me there, and I got there, and it wasn't that wasn't the place for me"? That's going to happen sometimes, and that's not your fault. That's not God's fault. That's just God getting you to exercise your faith. The important thing is that you keep moving. It it winds up that that. Abram comes back to Bethel and he winds up in Canaan again and that's where he settles. He finally realizes that 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 place that he walked past was a place that God wanted him to be anyway. So if you're not blessed in the next place that you go to, you go back to the last place you were blessed. Don't be too prideful and too proud to admit that this isn't really where I'm supposed to be. There's too much trouble down here. And even though there was a famine here, I know of a place where God told me I can get blessed and I'm going to go back to that place. We need to be humble enough to back up and check things out and see if that's not the, the place where my blessing is. See if that's not the place where God wants me to be. See if that's not it where I'm supposed to 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 have what God has for me. So there be many times in your walk with God That you might think you're spending a lot of time, you're wasting a lot of time checking things out. Why do I have to keep doing this? Why do I have to go here? Why do I have to go there? It's so that God can settle you into what he wants you to have. He wants you to understand how to recognize the blessing of God. Sometimes we jump at things because we want to get it over with. You ever been there? I just want, I'm sick of this, I'm sick of looking, I'm sick of this. See, when you got I'm sick of inside of you, you haven't partaken of his divine nature. See, he's going to make you keep going back until you get the I'm sick of out of you. Huh? Because that's the thing that makes you jump at the first thing you see and make the mistake to begin with see that tired I'm tired I'm tired I'm tired I'm tired that's one thing a saint of God should never confess I'm not tired I'm partaking of his divine nature I'm going to be stronger when I come out of this I'm going to be more apt to recognize a blessing the first time I see it I'll be able to go straight for it the next time because I'll get all of this I'm tired and I'm weary out of me as I walk this path with God the word. Keep blessing yourself with the word. Keep lighting your path with the word of God. Don't get yourself discouraged. God, why am I here? What did I do wrong? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not even relevant. Huh? You went out looking for a car. Now you're trying to find out what you did wrong. Huh? Well, let's let's get the confessional out. You know, why why stop here? Let's go all the way back. You know? Come on now. We can do better than that because God has blessed us. Bless yourself. Tell yourself what God says about you. Put your faith to action. Make it alive and every day your faith should be living and working on something. Don't just reserve it for special occasions. It won't work for you then. Ah. Uh-huh. Remember sometimes the, the, the good watch you put away and you forgot you put it away there. You found another little every day when you like better. And now it's all rusted and don't work no more. Huh? And so you have to realize you can't save your faith for a rainy day. It's to live in every day. And it'll be strong and ready for you. Your faith will be, you'll be ready to pull the trigger on a lot of things. You know, it's just like—just let something show up in my sights. I'm ready for it. huh? You won't be shrinking back and afraid to use your faith. But your faith must be kept alive. Dead faith is no good to God or you or anybody else. Don't brag on you've got faith. But start letting it produce something, because it can produce. It can produce mighty, mighty things if we will let it. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to understand once again who we are, what kind of people we are. We are people of faith, but we are also holy people. We are partakers of your divine nature, and we thank you, Lord, that that nature is is of Christ. And he dwells in us and we dwell in him. And we thank you for that unity that we have with him in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up.